It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, October 26th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitkins may see a credit on their utility account soon, thanks to a sales tax surplus. When the Sitka Assembly met Tuesday night, it approved a one-time $300 residential utility subsidy on first reading. But not all Assembly members were certain that a one-time payout was the right path forward. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. In 2023, Sitka saw another record-breaking tourist season. That, plus some careful budgeting by city staff, meant surplus sales tax returns for the second year in a row. More than $4 million of that money was deposited in the Public Infrastructure Sinking Fund in September to go toward repairing and replacing aging city infrastructure in the future. But at the Assembly meeting on October 24th, several said they wanted to put another million dollars back in the pockets of Sitkins through a utility account credit. Assemblymember Chris Yested, who co-sponsored the ordinance with Mayor Steven Eisenbeis and Assemblymember Kevin Mosher, said that while the city has benefited from the uptick in tourism, there have also been challenges. He said he wanted some of the benefits to be tangible to Sitkins. We, we can fully fund schools. We're putting money into infrastructure, you know, but a lot of these benefits are something that we don't uh, see immediately or that aren't really tangible so much. And I really wanted to do something that was immediate benefit, that was tangible, that you just, it's giving back to the community. While most assembly members agreed that they wanted to use some of the city's sales tax surplus to improve affordability for Sitkins, a few had some reservations about whether a one-time utility payout was the best route. Assembly member J.J. Carlson said she could certainly see the benefits. There's a lot of potential to help people, you know, this month or you know this year, and I just got my utility bill in the mail, and it was three hundred and ten dollars. So if I don't, you know, put up holiday lights, that'll cover my whole month of December, and I can use that three hundred dollars to you know, buy some protein. I don't know. It could be really beneficial to to me. Carlson said she'd vote yes on first reading, but still had questions. Assemblymember Tor Christensen said he'd rather see a more targeted approach with the money. The $300 would be nice for me, but that's it. Um, and, uh, but there's a lot of people who the, um, really need help. And, and, and I came up with a utility subsidization fund. That, uh, and I would rather see that expanded and maybe the, the um, uh, Uh, threshold for being able to get it go up. The people who really need it would get it. Assemblymember Tim Pike said he could support a one-time subsidy this year, but he said he wants to find a path for future surpluses that pays dividends long term. But I do want to see some ideas about how we can make, when we do this again, how we do this so that it's a long-term thing that has a long-term impact on people in the court, because affordability in Sitka is a big thing. Mayor Steven Eisenbeis said he didn't disagree with looking at a long-term plan for future surpluses in addition to the public infrastructure sinking fund, but this time he was focused on doing something that could have an immediate effect. Um, There was an email uh, today received that says we should pay off a million dollars of our Blue Lake bond debt. I don't disagree with that either. Um, That's going to help my kid uh, because he'll be paying for that Blue Lake damn debt, um, undoubtedly. But this was just the the way to get um, an immediate effect um, onto our citizens who, um, whether you 
benefited or you were negatively impacted by tourism, um, everybody had some sort of impact this summer. Uh, I don't think there's a single person in town that can say they didn't have an impact um, um, as a result of this. So this is uh, just a little bit that we can do with some of the extra money uh, that we brought in. The one-time $300 utility subsidy passed 6 to 1 on first reading, with Tor Christensen opposed. It will come before the Assembly for a final vote at its next regular meeting in November. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Katherine Rose. The Alaska Marine Highway System has too many old ships and too few people to operate them. In a virtual open house Tuesday, ferry officials kicked off a 20-year plan for rebuilding and modernizing Alaska's marine highway. Marine Director Craig Tornga summarized ongoing issues facing the state's ferry system, including difficulty with crew recruitment and retention. All summer long, we've had a few no-sail days uh, across the fleet due to uh, crew shortage just because we didn't have enough personnel to meet the manning requirements of our, our certificate of inspection from the Coast Guard. Uh, so that, that continues uh, to, to plague us. Aging vessels are another problem for the ferry system, which currently operates five vessels over 45 years old. In August, AMHS released an interim plan outlining capital and operations improvements through 2026. The plan includes building three new vessels, including one to replace the 59-year-old Tutsamina and a hybrid or electric vessel to replace the Latuya. These reliability issues due to age, and uh, they're not going to improve for us until we build replacement vessels. Tornga said that the trajectory of the 60-year-old Matanuska is still in question. Since I've joined, we've held meetings with the Coast Guard, and and we don't have a determination yet to the extent of the upgrades to retain solace until we know the condition and the safety of the whole. Consultant Kristen Kissinger, who is working with AMHS on the long-range plan, emphasized that recommendations from communities will guide this stage of the planning process. Really having a database of just all the information about what kinds of things are present in a community, what a community might need, what are the gaps, what's missing, and what that means for how they use ferry service. She pointed attendees of the open house to an online survey open through November 7th and encouraged them to attend Alaska Marine Highway Operations Board meeting as well as to submit written comments. Work to develop the long-range plan will continue through mid-2024, and ferry users are encouraged to share input throughout the process. Each year, many places in Alaska are seeing their first frost come later and later. The longer growing season could allow Alaska farmers to grow crops that were once rare in Alaska. But other changes brought on by climate change will cause new farming challenges. KTOO's Anna Canny has the story. In October... Fall gives way to winter across much of Alaska. At Calypso Farm, Tom Zimmer has just wrapped up for the season. We're up in Fairbanks. We've probably got six, seven inches of snow on the ground. In the barn he's calling from, there are bunches of dried flowers and white mesh bags suspended from the ceiling. We have everything harvested. Everything's in the root cellar. And you can see behind me uh, those paint bags uh, drying seeds. Zimmer and his wife have run their small organic farm since 2000. They're one of relatively few farms in Alaska. Historically, the state's cool temperatures and short growing seasons have allowed for hardy crops like carrots and cabbage. But not much else. That could change. Human-caused climate change is bringing hotter summer days that linger later in the year. And that could allow Alaska farmers and gardeners to produce more diverse produce. But not everything thrives. This year, we had 
excellent green beans, amazing cauliflower. But other crops bolted. It was too hot. But on the nearby experiment farm at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, warming conditions have helped researcher Glenna Gannon grow some fruits and vegetables for the first time. We're successfully able to grow things like artichokes and field-grown tomatoes and peppers and corn um, here in Fairbanks now. I don't think 30 or even 10 years ago that would have been successful. At the farm, nine of the 10 latest first frosts on record have occurred since 2001. And according to university climate researcher Nancy Fresco, that pattern will likely continue. We're anticipating continued increases in the actual length of the growing season, but also in the cumulative heat across the growing season. Warm weather-loving crops like tomatoes and corn have been hard to grow in Alaska without the help of greenhouses. But now they have a better chance to ripen in the field. Even cold-tolerant species like Brussels sprouts may fare better. They take a relatively long time to mature, so farmers and gardeners in Alaska have risked losing their sprouts to frost and snow before they're ready to harvest. Theoretically, climate change could help. But climate models don't capture everything. There are some really important factors about what can grow um, that are particular to Alaska, that are challenging in Alaska, and that we haven't yet had a chance to model. Permafrost is one factor. It can affect soil temperature and moisture. And as it thaws, it can destabilize soils. Then there are the long hours of summer sun. Some crops just can't tolerate that much light. Even as atmospheric conditions become more favorable, farmers will still have to contend with those things. And Zimmer says he also worries that climate change will make weather more erratic. Yes, frost-free days are increasing, but the instability of the climate is making it probably more difficult to farm. And Gannon at the experiment farm said that while warm weather crops are becoming more possible, they might not always be reliable. We might have the ability to have a much greater breadth of what we grow here. Um, But I still just want to plant the seed of caution that anyone who's going out to grow their garden or plant their farm, um, you know, they're still in Alaska. She said one of the best ways to promote resilient farming under climate change is to embrace a diversity of crops. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. Taking a look at the community calendar. Sitka Tells Tales, the local storytelling series, presents Siren Songs, Stories from Below the Waves, at 7 p.m. today at Harbor Mountain Brewing. The event will be broadcast here on KCAW at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, November 21st. The hosts are Art Change, Inc., Raven Radio, and the Sitka Sound Science Center with Sitka Whale Fest. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Thank you.